Amen. Well, welcome, first service, LWC Oracle Campus, and welcome to our online campus as well. I, uh, I want to pause real quick and just uh, ask for us to be praying for our short-term mission team that's in Puerto Peñasco uh, this weekend. We have a great team that went up there, and they're doing a lot of work with a, uh, a ministry that's in the inner city, and uh, they feed <coughs> over uh, 100 children every day, and they do a lot of work with uh, people that are impoverished, and so I just know that our team needs your prayers uh, for them to make a God-sized impact in the lives of everybody there. Uh, it's been a busy weekend. It's been a busy Saturday. Yesterday, we had a, a big memorial service here at the, at the Oracle campus, and uh, we had weddings afterwards at different places, so uh, Pastor Mike was doing a wedding here in Oracle. Uh, I was doing a wet wedding at 3C Ranch, and so we were spread out all over the place. Uh, but thank God we're here at Sunday. Amen? Amen? And, and we, we started a, a, a series uh, last week that uh, it's titled uh, Mental Health and how it affects us all. And what we find is the struggle is real. Uh, when you're struggling with, uh, with mental health, uh, and I'm, I'm not going to say mental illness because here's, here's what we, got. we have. The remedy for mental illness is Jesus Christ. But we continuously are, are going and struggling and, and, and battling to, to have our mind uh, healthy. And uh, all you have to do is just have a conversation with people. And once you start to get real, uh, most of us are going through something. Or we've come out of something. And, and so uh, I think one of the, the misconceptions that I have, uh, I have heard or distortions uh, about the church is that you are supposed to have it all together. And that's so far from the truth. The, the, reality, the reality is sometimes it's not going okay, right? Sometimes our seasons are the not okay seasons. And we're pressing forward. We're, we're, we're trying to move one step at a, at a time. And, and what I've come to find out is that uh, Jesus, it, when he came into my life, uh, he kind of spoke to me in this manner. It's okay to not be okay. It's okay to not be okay. In fact, he came for people that, uh, that are not okay. He, he works with people that are, that are not okay. And he loves people that are not okay. So anyone in here that you're not okay, say thank you, Jesus, Amen. that you love us in this, in this state that, that we're in. But, but here's what I've also come to find out about our Lord is that it's okay to not be okay, but just don't stay there. Don't stay there. Do you remember when I started this series last week that I said that uh, if we can be one step closer to peace, we're winning? I mean, our, our goal is to be at this position where there's total peace in our lives and, and our minds are clear and, and our hearts are, you know, there's no kind of struggle going on in our hearts. We're just, it's just peaceful. Like, you've never experienced this kind of peace. That's where we all want to be. Amen? But if, if, if you're here in this place and you're, and you're in a place of loneliness 
or you're in a place of, of, of depression, or you're in a place of anxiety, uh, maybe with panic attacks, or if you're in a place that, that you have uh, you know, irrational fears, and, 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 or maybe trauma, something's happened to you in your life, and you've never been able to get out of that place. I mean, you almost get out of it, but it pulls you right back like a vacuum. If you've ever had something traumatic happen to you, you understand how difficult it is to come out. And it's okay to not be okay. Just don't stay there. Take a step. Take a step. And, and this series is, is about taking steps. It's about taking steps toward Jesus. He's waiting. He's here. His arms are open wide. He, he's your freedom. He, he's my freedom. He's real. Just as real as your struggle is, that's how real Jesus is in our lives. And he wants to be here for you. He wants to be here to help you navigate that next step. So today we're going to look at a, at a spiritual giant. You hear the name of Elijah. Elijah the prophet, mighty man of God. Elijah was, Elijah was in war with especially two people, uh, King Ahab and his wife Jezebel. And King Ahab and Jezebel, they had led the children of Israel into pagan worship of, of, of the god Baal, small g. You know, Jesus was called Baalzebub because they were trying to come at him. That was a false god. Jesus came at that because he's the true god. But, but Ahab, the king, and Jezebel had taken the people of Israel, and they had taken them away from, from the worship of the, of the one true God. And, and, and Elijah comes uh, in, in, in this place where, where, where God is using him to go and, and to confront all the wrong that was going on in God's people. And he took a stand, and he had this competition. He had this war with 450 prophets of Baal. In chapter 18 of 1 Kings. And he has this, this, this competition. He says, all right, you guys say that your God is real. This Baal's real. He said, I, I, I'm, I'm going to tell you my God is really real. Let's have this competition. Why don't we sacrifice and we're going to call. You call your God, I'll call my God. And, and when you call your God, if, if, he, if he can come in and he can consume that sacrifice that, that, that you're making for, for this, uh, for your God, then if he consumes it, then he's the true God. But if mine comes and he consumes the sacrifice that I am going to provide for him and for our people, then he's the true God. So they had this competition and the, and the prophets of Baal, they, they, he says, you start out, you have, you have many, so go ahead and start out. So they start out and they start doing things and they start calling out on Baal and nothing happens. Time goes on, lunchtime. And Elijah says, maybe, maybe your God's taking lunch. <laughs> M maybe he's in the bathroom. Read the Bible, that's what it says. I'm, I'm going to be a lot cleaner. Right? Maybe he's in the bathroom. Maybe, you know, maybe, maybe, he's taking, you know, maybe he's taking a nap. Maybe 
And then after all, he says, he laughed, he says, he's not here. Now let me, let me sacrifice to my God. He prepared the sacrifice of oxen and he goes and, and he says, okay, now I want you guys to douse this with water. Put water all over this and, and on the wood so it won't start. Now do it again. Okay, now do it one more time. So it's drenched and there's a, there's a you know, it's drenched with water. There's a trench around it that's filled with water and, and he calls out on God and God does his thing. How many of you know that God does his thing? And, and so he gets to this place and then the Lord consumes that sacrifice. Everything's dried up, all the water, everything. And so Elijah says, all right, let's take care of business. So he goes and he conquers these prophets. Has them put to death. Does all this mighty, mighty, mighty act of God. How many of you have done a mighty act of God? you just done some things. God just worked through you. You had a great, great, great weekend. You had a great week and God just did some amazing things. Well, well here's what happens. After, after Elijah won the spiritual battle through the power of God, he then had another battle that was waiting for him. Hear me now. He had another battle. And that battle that was waiting for him was a mental and emotional battle. And what it teaches us, beloved, is it teaches us that God will meet us when we're not okay. It's okay to not be okay, but he'll never leave us there. And, and I want, for, for, for some of you spiritual giants that are, that are sitting in, in this first service or that you're watching online, or, or for some of you, maybe you're not a spiritual giant, but maybe you're an executive. Maybe you've done some great things in your life. I was talking to a high-level leader this, this past week who's, who's just launched a, a, a new business, and he's talking to me about the pressures that he's going through. You know, see, when high-level leaders, when people aren't around, when they're leading and they've got all the pressure on them, all the anxieties of having to have deadlines completed. The workers can just go, and they go home, go to sleep with their families. The, the, the high-level leaders are thinking, how are we going to get this done? He talked to me about having to go outside and, and actually away from everybody and, and, and throwing up because of the anxiety and the, and the pressure that's on them. He talked to me about how, how at, you know, at night he just uh, he, he's even shed some tears because of the pressure that's on them. Maybe you guys have never faced that, but high-level leaders that are trying to make something go, they face these kinds of pressures. And that's exactly where, where Elijah was. You see, everybody was, everybody was leaning on Elijah. Everybody was hoping the prophet would get there so that he would do his thing through the power of God. Amen. Maybe, maybe you've never felt this where people are just waiting for you to, to be the answer. Maybe waiting for you to, to, to have everything together because everything is falling apart all around you. But you're trying with everything you have to keep it all together so that, so that people can find peace. But here's what I've come to find out is you can't be the peace for everybody else without the peace of God in your life. So Elijah comes to this place of brokenness. You ever been at that place of brokenness? Some people call it burnout. You can't sleep or 
you sleep all the time. You worry. So you go back to sleep so you don't worry anymore. You fear. You get these things called panic attacks. And all of these, you get depressed. It just seems so dark. Your life seems so dark. Let's read the narrative because that's exactly what we're going to see. Now, this is Elijah. But you know what I love about this story? It gives me hope for those times of despair. For those times of brokenness, for those times of difficulty in our lives. And we all have them. And it's okay to not be okay. Just don't stay there. Chapter 19, verse 1. When Ahab got home, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way he killed all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. May the God strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you killed them. And so Elijah, the great prophet, said, bring it. No, he didn't. Elijah was afraid. And he fled for his life. Another translation said, Elijah had a panic attack. That's my translation. <laughs> Elijah was afraid and he fled for his life and he went to Beersheba. Why is it that whenever we get fearful, we go try to find a beer? Sheba. I'm not, hey, that's what the Bible says. Don't get mad at me, you religious zealots. He went to Beer Sheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. Then he went on alone. Let's think about depression. What happens to depress to, when you're depressed? What, what do you do? You isolate, amen? You want to be alone. He went alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. Now, the white lines, you know, we, 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 he doesn't tell us everything. He's traveling all day. We don't know in his traveling, if he's, as he's walking, he's talking, murmuring, you know, maybe crying. All these things are going on, but he traveled all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree. Another translation might say juniper. Key word, solitary. And he prayed that he might... Have a great revival. He prayed that God might use him mightily. He prayed that he might die. He began to have suicidal thoughts. He said, I've had enough, Lord. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. Those, those people that are in the grave, those people, Lord, that I've seen, maybe even done a service for them, maybe even did a funeral for them, those people that are in the grave, I am no better. He had just defeated 450 false prophets. Right before that, he had been with a, a widow. He had gone and visited a widow during this great famine, during this great drought. And she, God had provided flour and oil so that she could make tortillas for him. And mantequilla. That's butter. 
tortillas and mantequilla. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Amen. Her son had died. And Elijah said, don't worry about it. Took him upstairs and he put him, you know, on the bed, on his bed. And he prayed over him and that son rose from the dead. And now he wants to die. I'm not blaming Elijah. I'm not one of those religious people saying, oh, I can't believe Elijah. You know why? I've been there. I've been in those places when, when you got these spiritual highs and, and God's doing great things and then boom. You go to those low places and you're like, Lord, take me home. He said, take my life or I'm no better than my ancestors, ancestors who have already died. Then he laid down and slept under the broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, get up and eat. Get up and eat. And he looked around and, and, and there beside his head was some baked bread, tortillas and mantequilla. Baked bread on hot stones and a jar of water. So he, he ate and he drank and he laid down again. Then the angel of the Lord came again. The angel of the Lord reference in the Old Testament is always a reference to Jesus. The pre-incarnate pre Jesus Christ. The angel of the Lord came again and he touched him and said, get up and eat some more. Or the journey ahead will be too much for you. Man, if it would have been me, I would have said, Lord, can you just please, with this tortilla that you're making for me, can I please have some chorizo and eggs with it, please? <laughs> you guys can ask for your own thing. You may want to have a wrap with spinach and all, you know, with cream cheese. That's for you. I want eggs and chorizo. <laughs> I have a long trip, Lord. He says, get up and eat some more, or the journey ahead will be too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank, and the food gave him enough strength to travel, travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai. Your translation might say Mount Horeb. Same place, they're synonymous. 40 days and 40 nights. He wasn't driving his Jaguar. He wasn't driving his Lexus. He was driving his Patamobile. Anyone ever had a pata mobile? You guys are learning a lot of Spanish. Patas are your feet. Mobile is your, you know, you're going to drive, you know. You're going to walk, someone said. The, so he's going to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God, and there he came to a cave where he spent the night. And I'm going to stop there because I want to hone in on what's going on. I want, I want us to think it's okay to not be okay, just don't stay there. And I want, to, I want to present this to you for your consideration. Here's the first takeaway. Even people who walk with God face mental and emotional battles. Do not believe the lie that if you are going through a struggle mentally or emotionally that you are not in the, the favor of God. Do not believe the lie that you're not saved, if, if, if you're going through a mental or emotional struggle, don't believe that lie. 
You see, Elijah had won the biggest battle that he'd ever faced spiritually by defeating the demonic prophets, standing up to Jezebel and Ahab. But he had another battle waiting for him. And that battle was going to be a mental and emotional battle. And let me tell you, beloved, that sometimes we face that battle ourselves. He was afraid. And this is a very powerful realization. The realization that sometimes in life there are seasons and circumstances that scare us. There are times that we tremble because of deadlines, because of finances, because of uh, family members, a son or a daughter that has gone astray. And that situation puts you in a place where it just terrorizes you. Or someone's abused that you love. And you can't fix it. You can't fix it. No matter how hard you try, the trauma is so big, you can't fix it. Elijah was afraid. Maybe thinking about that spiritual battle, the realization of what he had done of facing those prophets that really wanted to kill him. And after that, the Jezebel saying, I'm not done yet. Because the devil will always say to you, I'm not done yet. And he fleed for his life. And what stands out to me about this whole situation is Elijah was not okay. And what stands out to us about us as real people is that there are times in our life when our life and our seasons, when we are not okay. We're not okay. And people come into your life and there's people that are going to be haters and there's people that are going to be lovers. There's going to be people that are going to stand with you. There's going to be people that are going to kick you on, uh, to the curb when you're going through the most difficult of times and you're not okay That's where Elijah was. He thought to himself, Jezebel should be clapping. She should be cheering. She wants to take my life. From God's perspective, it was okay for Elijah to not be okay. It was okay. You know, no, nobody thinks about the great prophet Elijah having times in his life where he struggled with fear, anxieties, and depression. And, and that's why church people who, who deny the fact of seasons of times of depression and trauma and fears and anxieties are not being honest with reality. I, I, I refuse to believe and to receive that false notion that every person who walks with God is always going to be okay. That is a lie. There are times in our life when it's not okay. There's times in our life when people abandon us. It's not okay. 
And it doesn't matter what your opinion is. Here's the thing. You can have an opinion about people with trauma saying, you know what, you should just get over it. It's not that easy. If you've been raped, it's not that easy. If you've been molested, it's not that easy. If you've gone through things that just you can't shake of your memory. But church people, we, we, we say, you know what, you come to Jesus, and when you come to Jesus, everything is good. He's good, but everything in our life is not good. Everything that we face is not always good. And for those of you that are struggling with some kind of a mental or emotional struggle right now in your life, it's okay. As a messenger of God, a messenger of Jesus Christ, I would say, I think God would tell you right now, it's okay. He's with you. He's with you in your fear. He's with you in your struggle. The apostle Paul came to the church and uh, he was coming to the city of Corinth and he was coming to, to people to, to communicate the word of God. And, and, and the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 3, he says, I come to you or I came to you in weakness and Great fear. The kind of fear that makes you what? Tremble. You, you, you ever have fear that makes you tremble? That fear paralyzes you. Anxiety will stifle you. Trauma condemns you. Depression makes everything dark. Everything dark. Let's be real. Those things happen to real people. You know, the, the, that, that common misconception, you go to church, you shouldn't have mental or emotional struggles. See, see, that's the stigma. That is the stigma right there. I mean, you, you have a broken arm, you go to a doctor, no problem. I have a broken arm. You have a, you have a foot that's hurting you. Your, your blood pressure it goes skyrocketing. And, and you go to the doctor and they say, you know, take some high blood pressure. You go tell your friends, yeah, they put me on high blood pressure meds. I didn't think I was ever going to need that. But you start taking the, the meds, no problem. How many of us talk to people, yeah, my, I, I, I'm, I'm going through some problems in my, in my thoughts. I'm having anxieties and great fear and, and uh, I, I, need, I need help. You go to church and you're not supposed to have those, those kinds of things, right? And then, you, and then you go to an elder's prayer meeting and we're praying together and we're all crying because of all the things that we're going through. <laughs> Your leaders saying, Lord, help us. What if the church was different? What if the church didn't put a a stereotype. 
what if, what if the church treated someone that is going through a, a mental uh, uh, difficulty in a season of their life saying, you, you know what, we're here for you and it's okay. We love you. We love you, bro. We love you, sis. And how, how do I know this is real? Because I got pastors. I, there's pastors that have committed suicide. There, there's, there's leaders that, that, have, that, that, that are in major depression, but they don't tell people. What if they did? What, what if we were in this together? What, what if we really cared about each other the way Jesus cares about us? You know, the, 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 that misconception, you go to church, you shouldn't have mental or emotional struggles. It's, it's wrong. We serve Jesus. I serve Jesus because he loves me in spite of my emotional and mental struggles. Only in Christ can I overcome. And because of Christ, I can live with a mindset, it's okay to not be okay, but I'm not going to stay here. Every, every year, we, we should challenge ourselves to face at least one fear and conquer it with Christ. Every year. You know, God doesn't want for you to stay there. God doesn't want for you to stay stuck in the trauma. God doesn't want for you to stay stuck in the panic attacks. God doesn't want for you to stay stuck in, in the irrational fears. God doesn't want you to stay stuck in those dark places. But he knows that you're there. What if today, what if today you, you, you said, I am going to settle something in my life. It could be as easy as, I, I'm afraid to drive. Because I know there's people out there that are afraid to drive. They miss, out the, they, miss, they miss out on the blessing of driving from one place to another place. Find a desert road. Find a big lot where it doesn't matter if you run over the yucca. You know, it, it, could be, it could be as big as, as, as major trauma in your life. And you say, you know what, I, I know it's going to be hard. I'm going to have to do the hard work. and I'm going to see a therapist. And, and when I see this therapist, I know they're going to dig down deep. You know, a professional trusted therapist. It's going to help you in the process. So that the trauma doesn't win the war. Jesus does. In the book of Acts, you see Paul in the, in, the, in the Corinthian letter, he tells them, I came to you with fear and trembling. He came to Corinth in the book of Acts. When he's going to Corinth, this is what the Lord said to him. He says, don't be afraid. Why did he say don't be afraid? Because he knew he was afraid. He said, keep on speaking. Do not be silent. You know, you, 
Do you know one of the biggest fears that I ever had, biggest, biggest fears, anxieties, was speaking in front of people? You think God has a sense of humor? You should have heard me when I first started speaking. You think I'm bad now? <laughs> One step after another step. See, see, here's the second takeaway. It's okay to not be okay. Just don't stay there. And here's the second. God is there for me even when I don't want to keep on going. Every Sunday, Shauna says, it's time to get up. I said, I don't want to get up. I don't want to go to church. I know you guys have never said that. I don't want to. I want to sleep in this Sunday. She said, you can't. You're preaching. Right? That's a bad joke, but hey. <laughs> Elijah hit the low of lows. He went into, into the, his wilderness. He, he traveled all day. He sat under the solitary broom tree, and he prayed that he might die. And it teaches me that it's okay when I have times like I can't do this anymore. I, I've talked to people who have said, I just want to die. I, I've talked to people. I picked up people say to me, I just want to die. And, and some of these people are very popular. Some of these people are very talented. And what I've come to learn, what I've come to learn and realize is it's not my place to tell them to just get over it. Because for us, in some areas, it's very easy to get over something. But for them, they can't. Sometimes just being there, trusting the Lord in the process, letting them make it just one more day. A month later, they look back and they say, man, thank God you were there. You see, Elijah, this great man of God, he, he had had enough. He's a spiritual giant. When's the last time that you have faced 450 false prophets and conquered them through the power of God? And yet here's this great man of God in, his, in, in turmoil. I've had enough, Lord. Take my life, or I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. What, what do you read there? What do you read there? You know what I read? An internal battle. That, that, that war that, fa that we face in our, in our minds, that war that the enemy throws fiery darts, that you're no, you're no good for nothing, you're worthless. You're not going to amount to anything. 
You hear these voices in your head. You hear this, this negativity continuously just processing in your head. You sit down at a place and you say to yourself, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? And God reminds you that when you've had enough, as Craig Rochelle said, when you've had enough, God is enough. When you've had enough, God is enough. He's enough when you feel like giving up. He's enough when you can't take anymore. He's enough when you don't have the answer. When you've tried to be the answer for everybody, you've tried to be the answer for your family, you've tried, you, you know, for, for, you know, they could be me, my wife for, you know, talking to me, me talking to my wife with our kids, with our, our adult children, our grandchildren. The ministry. And you put the layers on, layers, layers. And you come to the, sometimes in seasons in our life that the conclusion is, I just can't do it anymore. God is enough. See, here's, here's the third point. I think it's a beautiful point. Oftentimes, a small step makes a big difference. Remember, if I can take a step closer to peace, I'm better off than I was yesterday. Look at, look at, what, look at what the angel of the Lord came uh, and said. He said, get up and eat. I, I don't think people hone in on that, how important that is. Get up and eat. And I, I joked about the, the tortilla mantequilla, but, but here's the reality that God provided substance for Elijah. Do you notice that God didn't tell Elijah to, to, to memorize scripture? He, he, he didn't say, I want you to recite Genesis 1 1, uh, Elijah. He, see, this is what church people do. You lost a loved one. You're going through, through turmoil, and, and someone comes to you and says, Oh, to live is Christ and to die is gain. You're like, Yeah. Let me show you. To die is gain. You don't need someone to give you Bible then. You need someone to give you love. Sometimes the first step is eating something. In your mental and emotional anguish, sometimes the first step is eating something that's going to be good for you. I, I always talk about, you know, favorite restaurant and, and all that. And I, that's true because I think, I think some, I, here's, here's what I know for sure. Food is medicine. Did you know that? You, you put the, the right food into you, your, your, your body's going to thank you. 
You put the wrong food into you, your body's going to say, okay, we'll, we'll do this together, but it's going to be rough. <laughs> Amen? And I got the body to prove it. But, but, but you need to know this about your pastor, that, that because I, I, I do study, I, I do, I, I'm not, I look like a dummy, but I'm not a dummy. I do research, and, and, and so Shauna and I, my wife is incredible about, she's always ate well. And she's always, you know, since we've been married, would try to make me, well, you know, keep me eating well. I'm trying, babe, I'm trying, but. But when I say food is medicine, that if you put the right foods into your body, your body's going to thank you, and it's, it's, actually, it's actually going to benefit you. It's in a diet class, by the way. This is not a diet sermon. But when Jesus said this, when Jesus said, remember, remember our foundational text, come to me all who are weary and filled with heavy burdens, and I will give you what? Rest, Right? And you will, you will find peace, you will find uh, uh, your, your, for, your, for your souls, right? Your soul is your, your body, your spirit, your mind. This passage right here in Elijah, get up and eat, speaks to us volumes that God knows what we need. Take a small step and eat something. I'll throw in one, one, quick, uh, one quick quote from, from, uh, from Sutter Health, which is a healthy way to, to, to get holistic health. It says, sugar and processed foods can lead to inflammation throughout the body and the brain. This is physical matter, which may contribute to mood disorders, including anxiety and depression. So, so here, here, here's, I know God didn't process that bread. That bread was just made from the hand of God. Amen? So what I would say to us is when we think about small steps, we think about eating first in a way that's going to be honorable to God and honorable to our bodies. That's a great first step. Amen? Now, now look, look at this right here. Look at this. Then the angel of the Lord came again and, I, and, and touched him. Now, that's important to me. See, the touch of God on your life is important. When I'm going through my difficulties, I, when I say, Lord, just touch me. He goes on, he says, and he said, get up and eat some more. Or the journey ahead will be too much for you. So he got up, ate and drank, and, then, uh, and the food gave him enough strength to travel for 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, to the mountain of God. And, and God used these small steps to lead him to recover. And you need to know that, that you don't have to be a spiritual giant to overcome your loneliness, your dark times, your anxiety, and your fears. Many times, it's that first step to heal your mind and your emotions is just to start eating right and exercise. Who I'm getting practical. 
I'm getting real practical here, beloved, because we serve a practical God. Sometimes, sometimes it's for us to do a little bit of lifting. And what I've come to find out in my life, I used to work underground. I walked miles. I'd go home physically tired. What I found out at that time is that I needed to sharpen my mind. So I would read when I was home. I'd read the scriptures, and it was good for me. Now I'm constantly sitting, reading, and working with my mind for hours. And I don't know if you know this, but you are more fatigued when you do mental work than when you do physical work. So you know what I do when I go home? I work. I mow the lawn. Sean and I plant things. And it's crazy because when I'm walking and I'm, and I, and I'm mowing, uh, you know, my, my, my lawn outside, I, 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 I just, it's like the Lord sometimes speaks to me in that. And there's like a peace that comes over me because there's balance in our lives. And I need that because my, my, I want to succumb to going home and sitting on the lazy boy. That's a wonderful place to be. But first steps... Small steps, they make a big difference. I'm closing now. Another 30 minutes. <laughs> Maybe your first step is to eat the right things in your life. Maybe your next step is to exercise. Go for a walk. Ride a, ride a bike. It worked for Elijah. He walked for 40 days and 40 nights and he went to, he, he went to the mount, Mount Sinai, where he met God. And God sent a, an earthquake. And God was not in the earthquake. And God sent a big fire. And God was not in the fire. And God sent a big storm, thunderstorm, and God was not in that thunderstorm. But God sent a small breeze and a whisper. And Elijah went to the front of the cave. And God whispered. reason that that is so important is that because God whispers to us in those dark times in our life so we can lean in and get closer to his presence and maybe the dark time that you're in and the dark time that I've been in the struggles that I've gone through so that all the noise where we try to hear God and all the noise that's going on, all the chaos, the pandemic, the war, and all these things. I'm, we're meeting with a, with a couple at 5 o'clock today from, from the Netherlands that Sean and I met recently, talking about the, the Ukraine war. They're housing, they're housing uh, refugees. We're going to partner with them. 
And despite all of that noise, all that stuff, God is in this season with Elijah. He said, I want you to eat, eat, and then I want you to walk 40 days and 40 nights. I want you to come up. And he showed him all the noise, and he let him see all of that. He said, I'm not there, but this is where I'm at. I'm in the whisper. I'm in the whisper. And in that whisper, God meets you because you got to lean in. You got to lean in. Get away from all the noise. It's okay to not be okay. Just don't stay there.